Welcome to Threshold Stories, crossing thresholds one story at a time. I'm your host, Jeff Gora. Today's guest is Kim Angeli, a fellow believer and passionate person who made a life change worthy of a threshold story. Kim is passionate about grateful living. She's going to tell us about that. She's especially passionate about seeing the lifestyle of grateful living permeate the business world where people are not choosing to be grateful. Bet you didn't know that. She's on a mission to bring this attitude of gratitude into the workplace because she knows it trickles through into people's personal lives. She knows from experience that this works and it makes people happy. After uh, being a grumpy person herself and migrating from uh, grumpy to grateful, she likes to take the tools that she learned and pay those forward to others. Uh, she tries to do it every day, not just on Thanksgiving Day. So welcome, Kim Angeli. You are not at the fitness you should have, and you're not even the person who you should be but you don't have anybody whom you can trust to help you get there. What you're saying is you need a coach. And I might be your coach. I provide both instruction and explanation to help you reach your goals to overcome mediocrity, and I'll give you feedback along the way like any other coach. Most important thing I do, though, is get you ready for a big event. You pick the event, and I will help you get ready for it. I'm not a fit for everybody, but the only way to find out is to have a first interview. Go to our website, thresholdacademy.com, and select Contact Us, and let's schedule the first interview. See if I can help you go beyond your threshold. Kim Angeli, welcome to Threshold Stories. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. You know, um, it's interesting because most everybody that comes on, I know in some way, shape, or form. And you and I have talked in passing for a few minutes, a few times. That's it. Just There, there was something about you that I said, I got to get this woman on here. And you said yes. I said yes. It's like a great first because date. you're amazing. You're an amazing person. <laughs> first date. So, you know, when I met you, you were marketing your company and you gave me little snippets about your previous life and all that goes with that. But for the audience, just do a two-minute. How, how did you get to this place, this corporate world of Grateful Box? How'd you get there? Well, Grateful Box was born out of... a year of desperation. I was owning an insurance agency. It was 2010. And I'm sure you're a um, personal development junkie like me. And I had bought some books, but I never really put put it in practice. Mm -hmm. So I dusted off a book that I had bought in 2001 after I got laid off from Cisco Systems or before I got laid off from Cisco Systems. I just bought it in the airport. You just, you don't want to call it that company? You, that you're really going to give them oh, free yeah, marketing yeah, space sorry. on this podcast? That company, sorry. <laughs> and so I thought, well, maybe, maybe that gratitude thing, maybe figuring out what is going well in your life when things are not going well anywhere works. And 2010 was a really rough year. We lost a lot of accounts. Um, and my insurance agency, I was turning around my dad's company. My dad got sick that year my grandfather passed away like I could go on and on and on I've documented almost every little thing that happened and I just literally picked a box off the shelf in a big lots that had bless our family on the top and I thought well I can't really write a bunch of mm -hmm. things I'm grateful for but I can do one note a day I can write one note at night when I've had a really long day, I can write it before I go to bed because I knew... Who are you writing them to? I'm writing what went well in my world, right? I am happy and grateful for 
I survived the day, or I am happy and grateful that I got to eat dinner with my daughter, who was seven at the time. Because when you're really growing a business and you're replacing yourself with six people and you have a toddler or, you know, and your husband's an hour away and everything seems to not be going very well, you have to have some sort of tool. And that tool for me was gratitude. And once I started doing it consistently, because, mm-hmm. you, you know, like you can't go run down the street or do one 5K and have impact. You've got to consistently create that habit over time. Mm-hmm. I started engaging with my staff differently, people differently, because I was focusing on what was going well. So where do you live? Where are you living when all this is going? I on? was living in Raleigh, North Carolina. And where's your husband now? In that during that time, he, we were married. Was he um, there? You said he was an hour away. Well, he was. He's always kind of commuted for work, like one hour one way, and so he will leave really early in the morning for mm-hmm. 19 years of marriage, and he comes home really late at night at work. So he's gone for about a 13-hour stretch. Hi, caramba. Yeah, he still does that today. He drives to Huntersville. We live in Waxhaw. And that's just kind of been our what we've done for our entire marriage. Have you looked at investing in a hovercraft? <laughs> I've looked at helicopters, but but what, it, it's just the way he's from, up, well, not upstate New York, but Newburgh, New York. And so I think just people just drove where he grew up. I mean, they didn't, they don't think about it. Like mm-hmm. that hour commute one way is like, okay, well, it's just what we do to get a paycheck. Right, right. So I was really a married single mother growing an insurance agency um, and replacing myself with six employees. You said that twice now. What does that mean, replacing yourself with six employees? Well, we were growing so rapidly, I couldn't do it on my own anymore. Mm -hmm. And so out of growth, you know, you have to hire because you don't want to turn away business. And and that's what I was doing. So hiring people that you see in a traditional... Sales. Yeah, account, account managers, front office people, a salesperson. I hired mm-hmm. a salesperson December 15th of 2010. I actively sought out a salesperson to help duplicate, which you know as a business owner is hiring employees is not the most fun part of the business. Training yeah. them is not the most fun part of the business. Mm-hmm. But in order to grow and be scalable, and in the end it helped me because he bought the agency. Like right. he bought the company for me. And it was a very easy transition because he'd been there for five years. Wow. But it was amazing. So gratitude really, once I started that baby step of that one note, mm. then now I write gratitude. Now I walk in gratitude. Now I'm like, I, I find myself getting, I might get grumpy for a moment mm. because of an event, but I don't stick around with grumpy. So you stuck, you jumped to the word grumpy and I like that because um, one of the things I've learned from my years of delving in recovery is that the single greatest thing that affects our attitude is our gratitude. It's only a few letters different right. in the spelling. Right. You know, and and it, it's a it's a switch. It's a it it's it's learning that you're. I teach E plus R equals O when I speak, mm-hmm. which is a principle that Jack Canfield teaches, and I'm trained to teach that methodology. Is you have an event, plus you have your response equals the outcome, and we are all a hundred percent responsible for the R. The R could be grumpy. The R could be grateful. The R could be anger. The R could be peaceful. You choose the R. And a lot of people don't realize it's a choice. And it's a mindset. And you reacting to something is your choice. And gratitude yeah. is choosing, hey, this might have been a really yucky day for me. I mean, my day wasn't yucky. But the weather it, was. But 
No, and the weather is what it is. I love the weather because it means it gets me in the holiday spirit. I don't live in Florida because I don't want it to be sunny 365 days a year. I like winter because I like the darkness at night because it gets me in the Christmas tree spirit. Mm-hmm. It'd be really hard for me to get in the Christmas tree spirit with palm trees. I can only imagine. I um, was just down there in South Florida, and um, they thought it was cold. It got into the 70s. Went to a Dick's Sporting Goods, and they were selling fleece jackets right there as soon as you walked in. Well, everything yeah. is, you know. Order of magnitude. Right. It's, they, they just it's their perception, right? Yeah. It's their relevancy. Right. But I love this weather. It gets me in the holiday spirit, and I don't know that I could get in the holiday spirit without cold weather. See, I love it because um, it's very easy to run. You know, in the, in the July, August, September Ooh. windows, you know, I have to very thoughtfully time when I go outside to run you can overheat pretty quickly. So if I don't get up super early, uh, I can't get a long run in. If I can get a shorter run, but not, not a longer one. Then I'm so at this time of year, I can just go anytime I want. And right. It works. Right. Like I ran before you got here. That's that nice. was so easy. No, I couldn't have done that two months ago. No. That would have been a disaster. So on the gratitude idea. So I have this. You can, I'm going to give it to you. You can take a stare at it. Open it up. I've been... Um, on this one for a little while. So each day, let's see what's going on there, that nice. I that I look at it, I write down three things that I've never been grateful for. Oh, wow. I love that. And sometimes it's a challenge to come up with three. Sometimes it's silly easy. And um, once a month I go back and look what I wrote. Just once a month. And it's a, I got a little flag in my outlook to go backwards and, right. and Re- see what it review. was. Right. Totally calms my spirit to do that and um i love that i didn't tell you this on purpose when i met you but the con for that's my i mean i i know it's you call it gratitude box but that's my gratitude sanity mm-hmm. and if i skip that step because you'll notice there are days i skip mm-hmm. the days i skip aren't as good as the other days you are exactly right I, I, skip, I that's my experience if you i have actually if i skip about three years ago around father's day i was I could not shake a, this funk, like this just, it was almost like a cloud over me. And I went back into my journal and I had not written gratitude. I'd gotten so busy with life. Mm-hmm. Now I don't choose to get busy with life. Now I'm intentionally get up just super early to do it. I don't miss a day if possible. I had missed two weeks. And so I immediately, like I was sitting on the patio with my husband. And I was like, what is wrong with me? I'm like the gratitude queen. And he was like, I don't know, but you need to shake that off. <laughs> and I went inside and I looked at, and I just sat down and wrote 25 things I was grateful for in that moment. And I could just feel the weight of all that grumpy and that mm. misery just leaving my mm-hmm. soul. You remember any of those, of the 25, do you remember any of them that you'd written? Can you recall any of them right now? Well, mostly... It's even grateful for little things. Like I find most people do family, hardwoods, right? I've I've lived in a house where I had linoleum and wanted hardwoods, right? It's going back to those times where I think God calls us to be believers, not achievers. And sometimes we forget Mm -hmm. and we're always achieving. And when is it enough? And so I remember back in our first house when we had linoleum, mostly carpet, mostly linoleum. And I had this little patch of hardwoods in the dining room in the foyer and I was so excited Hmm. and now I have this whole house of hardwoods right so now I can reflect back and say well now my whole downstairs is hardwoods it's little things like that or or being grateful for um the fact that 
I get to spend time with my husband outside on the patio that we had built, you know, that, that he is a great father. Because mm. I think we get swept up in the big things. Yes, we do. So it's the little things that matter. So let's back, back up a little bit here. Some of the, one of the things I, I like to dig into with people is this concept of hero, because we all have them, whether we come to peace with describing them or not. But who, who was your hero growing up, and how do you describe them? My hero growing up. I don't know that I had like a Marvel comic hero, like my husband's a big Marvel comic. It's okay. You don't have to be a fantasy person. It right, can be a real right. person too. I think my hero was my Nana Stella. I mean, she just got it done. I spent summers with her at Camp Nana in Norlina, North Carolina, 800 square foot house built by my grandfather, one bathroom, no air conditioning, up at 4.30 in the morning, picking beans, canning tomatoes. You ever peeled a tomato in 110-degree weather with no air conditioning in a kitchen where you're canning tomatoes? Survey says. <laughs> it's, nope. really, it's really hot. And so literally she was someone who just never complained, she was a woman of faith, and she just was this pillar of goodness for me. And she imparted a lot of wisdom in, into my life that I didn't realize I was getting until I go back and read her letters that I got every week for 12 years. And so she was a hero because she, you know. So when did those letters start? When I went, they, they started when I went to college mm -hmm. every week. I think she knew she couldn't get me on the phone. Remember when we paid for long distance? I do. She would send me a money in the mail to pay for the long distance for me to call her, but she knew I was a busy college student. So she wrote me once a week, like clockwork. And then the day I got married, February 5th of 2000, my grandmother was there, and she walked up to me and she said, well, I don't have to mail you letters anymore because mm. now you're married to Rick. Like, I had been married off to this awesome gentleman, and I didn't need her wisdom or her little checks anymore. That was in her mind. So she kind of felt like she was part of the, uh, right. the on-ramp right, to uh, right. the real world right. or something. Right, right, Because she just, she raised an awesome daughter, my mother, mm -hmm. my uncle, Ron. They're both major contributors to society, have had their own, you know, successful families. And she just, you know, went through a lot. Got married at seventeen. Right. My mom and they, you know, they didn't, they didn't even have running water till my mother was twelve. Like, just, you know, just really, just a crazy life of just getting it done. So you're you're attracted to, or you find power in watching those who've overcome adversity. Yes, absolutely. So it's kind of your identity yeah, right that, there. That's, I think it's um, very powerful to have kind of an eclectic background. Mm -hmm. Now, I would say I had a magical childhood, you know, grew up on the back of a yacht in a cocktail party, went to Europe. You know, I had running water since I was born. Um, but I do. People that so have overcome. for those people who don't know anything about you other than Adam, can you back up and tell a little bit about that back of the yacht in Europe story kind of thing? Well, people my, would like to hear some of that. Well, my dad um, has a different background than my mother. He grew up in Raleigh. His great, his, my grand, great grandfather ran um, the IRS. He grew up inside the Beltline, not affluent, affluent, but some affluency. And then my mother didn't grow up like that. 
And so my dad pretty much wanted to make sure I saw the world before I was 14. And he always, I've been on a boat since I was 18 months old. And it afforded me a lot of. So you guys would take vacations or you would live? We would, no, we would, we went to the boat every weekend at Atlantic Beach, Moorhead City. Sure. His yacht. So I grew up on boat docks around people that were entrepreneurial and had boats, big boats. And it really shaped who I was. It, I never, I was never around anyone who worked for someone. When I go back and look at that, mm-hmm. compared to like my husband, who his entire family, they were either in the Army or worked for IBM. Totally different background. Um, so it really shapes the way I think about entrepreneurialism mm-hmm. and just getting it done. And um, it's, it was, it's a, I lived a great life, like, you know, had a lot of things. So what did your daughter get? Did she get the boat life or... I, I, we haven't done a lot of boating. We go to Bald Head Island a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad had his boat, but when he got sick in 2010, she was seven. We had to get rid of the boat. Right. So she didn't get to go on there. I have a great picture of her driving his yacht when she was little. Um, mm-hmm. But that was a t- moment in time because he got sick in 2010. And so the boat kind of had to go away for that. But she does love boating, but lake boating. Ah, not ocean boating. Not ocean boating. Like, I grew up ocean boating to Cape Lookout almost every weekend. You know, Kim, though, I've, I've noticed that you, too, you do like the new and the fancy. I mean, I know you I like do. you. I know the, the act of suffering and overcoming adversity is a propellant for you, kind of mm-hmm. like fuel, like methane or something. Right, right. Yet you're, you're, you're drawn to the new and the fancy, too. I do like the new and the fancy. Is that easy to be both? It's a fine line. It's a fine line. I I was given my husband. I married to my husband for a reason. Mm-hmm. He is didn't grow up in the fancy in the new like I did, and so we're a great balancing act for each other, right? When I want to go and buy that forty two foot yacht like my dad had, mm-hmm. and you know just sail up and down the intercoastal waterway and not worry about it, he's like, hmm, yeah, not so much. We're gonna have you know, property that generates revenue. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, boats aren't. But boat right. stands for break out another thousand. Yeah, absolutely. They're a hole in the boats water. Boats are the sinking ship so concept of a boat. So my husband is my walking conscience. Like, mm. he is where I learned a lot of my, um, when when I was making big bucks, um, the tech company, I won't mention anymore. He was the one that said, honey, where'd all your money go? Mm got a really great shoe collection and a 525 BMW, but where, where's your 401k? And I'm like, what? 401k? I might not ever get there. But now I think differently, right? right? Mm-hmm. Because of him. Mm-hmm. Because I didn't marry someone like my father, love my dad, but he was, he's, you know, he just, he was all about his boat. Make the money in insurance, mm-hmm. put it towards the boat or go to Europe or whatever. So that's, that's pretty exciting. I most certainly have invested in travel with my kids. That more than anything else came from my sister. She, she, um, she'd married a couple of different Jewish guys throughout her life. She's had two ex-husbands. And um, I liked both of them. Um, and they basically instilled in her the value of education and travel. Mm-hmm. Those are things that you can't have taken from you. Right. Property, you can. Um, your life, you can. Your limbs, you can. Cash you can, but not those things. So I very much invested in making sure the kids got to uh, right. It's the memories. See a lot of the earth. And now that my dad's not with us anymore, mm-hmm. I have thousands of books of photography of my life and all those trips from Europe and all those scrapbooks. Mm-hmm. 
And um, it's just something that I we're going to take our daughter to Italy next year, and like we take her around because I that's something that as a youngster influenced my life at fourteen. Mm-hmm. Going to London and then the French Riviera and France and Italy, it's it's just different. So, so one of my um, greater stories in life, I, I call it a greater story, is um, I very much led by example, but encouraged my youngest son to compete very hard in multi-sport endurance racing like I do mm-hmm. and try to get on the national team as well. And um, he did, partly because so few kids are into endurance racing. You know, you tell a 12-year-old to run a half marathon, half the parents in the world shoot you for suggesting it, and the other half stand in the way saying, no way, right? Well, my son was my youngest one. He's very good at it, plus I led by example. And um, he got a chance to compete in a world championship um, in 2018 in Denmark. And um, he'd never been to Europe before, and that was the first time we took him there. Well, I took him there. And um, he got to walk through and do the Parade of Nations experience, where nice. you line up with everybody, and they do it in country, alphabetical order by name. And he got to walk through the streets of um, Odense, Denmark, and hear the yelling and the screaming and wearing his red, white, and blue gear and everything like that. Um, but that was an awesome experience because he got to see not just Europe, but we hung out for a little while with Team Kenya and Team Sweden and Team GB, as they call themselves, for Great Britain. <laughs> and it was all going on it. during the World Cup. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Europe plus World Cup, I mean, it's like Mardi Gras right. in all of Europe right. when the World Cup's happening over there. So he got that wonderful experience. And um, then afterwards, I took him to um, Norway to go hiking in the mountains of Norway, like where the Swedish-Norwegian mm-hmm. border mm-hmm. is. They have a set of mountains called Jotunheimen. And it's apparently where Thor and Odin and Loki and all those God, the mm-hmm. Norse gods came from. But we had a wonderful time hiking in Norway. Um, a lot of people go and they hang out in the big cities and eat the food. We went right to the middle of nowhere and got in a cabin and, and hiked you know, on the sides of glaciers and mm-hmm. stuff like that for a couple of days afterwards. And I thought, we could not have done this if we were not super fit. Right. There's just no way you can go to the middle of nowhere and hike right, in glaciers right. unless you're super fit. And... um. I know that'll be one of the greatest memories he has of his life. It's one of the, right. that travel pass forward. And my sister was the same way. She passed forward the love of travel to me. Mm-hmm. I love it. Well, my dad's biggest quote, he even had it in his room for mm-hmm. many years, was life is a journey, not a destination. He's like, Amen. You, you have to enjoy the journey and be, mm-hmm. be in the moment. I, I think so many people, and I've, so many people are just, they're not being, they want to be somewhere else in their mind or, you know, they're not being present. Oh yeah. You watch, you just look at a group of millennials and you'll see that they're on their phone. Anytime I see somebody on the phone when I'm talking, it's an indication that I am either not very interesting or regardless of how interesting I am, they'd rather be somewhere else. They'd rather connect with something else in another frame. It's an, it's the antithesis, it's the antithesis of gratitude. It really is, right. Yeah, the, really the phone is. truly does take away people's power for gratitude. So I got a couple of questions I want to go with before we can tie up some loose end. For, for sure, the biggest one for me, and I probably should have led with this question, is this idea, you have a strong faith. You don't hesitate at all to announce that you're Christian. Uh, you quote often and frequently, you can tell from your demeanor um, that you're a Christian. Where did that come from? And don't give me the canned, of course it came from Christ. I know that. But were you raised in that environment or did you have an event that happened? 
So my Nana Stella was very woman of Why faith. Why did I just know that oh, Nana Stella was going to come Nana out of your Stella. mouth? I should have known better. Nana Shame Stella. on me. Nana Stella, my mother, who was raised in a really, really, really strict go to church every time right. the doors swing open. Mm-hmm. Um, I was not raised going to church every time the doors flung open. Mm. Here is what my father would say. Kimberly, because that's what he called. There are three people in the world that call me Kimberly. My father, my Uncle Bobby, and my husband. <clears throat> that's my real name, and that's what they call me. And so he'd say, Kimberly, I believe that God is everywhere, and I believe that God is at the ocean when we go every weekend, mm. and that's where we'll have church on the bow of the boat. And so we always went to the beach on the weekends. Almost 90% of my childhood, I grew up going to the beach, going to the boat. That's why I have this love of the ocean. It's just ingrained in me. I have a love of the ocean and yacht diesel fuel. Ask my husband. He's like, you're the only woman I've ever met. He's like, oh my gosh, I can smell those twin engine 250s on that yacht. He's like, oh, who twin are screws right, to the who, rescue. Yeah, he's like, who are you? So... Then my Nana Stella would get me in the summers, mm-hmm. which I think was her way of imparting that wisdom, like who you choose to marry is important. You know, if you go out with someone and they don't have your values on the first date, then you don't go out with them a second time because it's really hard to fall in love on the first date. That's just in movies. And I think at every moment she could impart that wisdom or mm. those seeds. They might not have blossomed when I was at East Carolina University, but they did later, right? Right. And so, and then I had another influence is my Aunt Ellen. My mother's brother's wife is a pastor. And she was very instrumental in, we would walk really early in the morning when I lived near her. Um, Where does she live at that time? Apex. She lives in Apex. I lived in Cary. And we would walk really early in the morning and meet each Mm -hmm. other. And she would impart wisdom on, into my life with that. And so it was just this evolution of, Maybe Kim's not the smartest girl in the world. Maybe I'm not the smartest girl in the, in the room. Maybe there's some other divine consciousness leading me. Because in 1999, if I'd had this podcast with you and I'm achieving my $65 million quota with the unnamed IT company, I would have said, well, that's because I'm so smart, Jeff. I would have never, ever right. said it's because God is the one who gives me affluence and influence and intelligence Mm -hmm. that would have all been kim i would have been stepping into ego big time it was me 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 i'm an only child my husband will tell you you're in the you're in the so this evolution of getting away from the me 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 which i work on on a daily basis because i am an only child and i am an overachiever and you only had one child and only had one child which i parent her very differently because i am an only child right she has lots of friends she's very giving she's very generous um my roommates in college might not say they'd say that girl owns a gratitude company you've got to be kidding me because you know it was all about me at that point in my life right we all evolve thank goodness so I've had some moments in life that, that had to be divine intervention mm-hmm. because it wouldn't have put me where I am today. One of them is moving to Charlotte. Right. I mean, that is all divine intervention for me moving here in 2013. And I even said it on Facebook, which I call fake book. But I even said in a 2012 post that God is moving me to Waxhaw. I have no idea where this place is, but he does hmm. because it's bigger than it's bigger so than me. I've always thought of the, when I think of Waxhaw, I think of the Eagles song, Hotel California. Do you know that? Yes. It's because there's a line in there. It says, you can 
Getting to Waxhaw is not rocket science. Right. Getting out of Waxhaw is absolutely impossible. I think of that line, you can check in, you can check out any time you want, but you can never leave. Right. That's Waxhaw. Right. 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 You've listened to the oh, mayor monologues. There's no hope for the transportation disaster right. called the Waxhaw anytime in the near future. Right. And, but it's a quaint little town, and it um, has given me the connections in my world. That's that one I of those needed. places where a helicopter is appropriate. Yeah, helicopter is appropriate. Yeah, mm-hmm. so it's a great little place, and it's definitely growing. In the last six years, it definitely looks totally different than it did when we moved there. So I want to give you um, I want to give you a couple of minutes here to do a plug for um, Grateful Box. What do you do? So we inspire grateful living around the globe. And we do that with the Grateful Box, which is a product. But we also do that. I do that with keynote speaking. Um, I do that with business consulting. I want business owners to actually implement gratitude in their business practice mm-hmm. so that they can inspire employees to be, be the, their best selves mm-hmm. while their customers. Um, we work on gratitude strategies for business owners. And my goal is to get one million people choosing grateful living. And when I say grateful living, I mean, I don't want you to write one note in your journal and say, I'm grateful for a moment and then go out in traffic and be a jerk, right? I want you to be living gratitude, which is totally different because people, what I've found in this, I'm nine year journey from Grateful Box, from my brain to reality, Four and a half years having a legal corporation that is actually said we're going to inspire gratitude and take an attitude of gratitude into corporate America and pioneer gratitude into the pioneer, pioneer gratitude, gratitude um, is it's really getting those people to choose grateful over grumpy in that E plus R equals O equation as much as possible. Because when you're great, if you learn gratitude as a tool and you're nicer driving to work because you're not reacting to, you know, Johnny Lamborghini running you, cutting you off in traffic, right? You're pausing and you're like, well, maybe Johnny just had a bad day, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not going to choose to get into Johnny's world and race him up 485, right? A lot of people are choosing that. Oh, well, I'm going to be faster than he is. So, or you're in the grocery line and I'll say, well, why don't you get in front of me? You have two things. And I've got 400 things because I haven't wanted to go to the grocery store in my entire life. And so (laughs) you might want to get in front of me because my Mm -hmm. basket is filled to the hill because I'm going to wait till the very last minute unless I've called Instacart. So it's choosing at every moment, even when you're in the parking lot, to let someone go first and not be rushed Mm -hmm. and taking a pause and being conscious that you're choosing. Have you had any loss? As a result of this? A loss of people? No, just a loss. I'm going to let you, I'm going to leave it vague. Does gratitude result in loss? Um, I think gratitude results in loss of anger and resentment of me choosing those. Mm-hmm. Like, I've lost fear and worry. I will say that. Um, most people last year would have said, Kim, how do you lose your dad in a silver alert on March 22nd. Well, first I was homeschooling my, my daughter. Oh, let me just say January of 2018, I started homeschooling my daughter. Then my, wow. dad, then my dad got lost on March 22nd under a silver alert. Then he died April 29th. And then my dog got a brain tumor the night before he was buried. And I buried her June 1st after spending $9,000 at NC State University Medical Vet School, which was there amazing. And then I moved my mother from their home of 34 years to Cary, North Carolina. 
And so somebody would say to me, how do you even put your foot in front of the other? And sure. every step of the way in that disruption that I don't love, I know it's a process. I know it's part of a plan that I don't know what it looks like on the other, other end, is that even in that journey, every moment I was stepping in gratitude. Even when I wanted to yell, I would yell. I would have my tears, but I knew in clarity it's part of my journey and it's part of my story. And when you walk in faith like that, fear and worry, you don't hang out with them. Mm-hmm. You don't bring them in and say, hey, you want some pimento cheese? Here, come have a salad. Let's so how do, you, how do you sell gratitude to a CEO who's interested in profitability and bottom line stuff? Happy employees equal more cash flow. Couldn't you just give them CBD oil? No. <laughs> it's a mindset shift. I actually tried it and implemented it with my own six employees. Mm-hmm. And I had an employee who had been 30 years in the customer service industry. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, we're going to wrap our arms around celebrating our customers and really being grateful and being mindful and actively listening into their world this year. And I actually have the thank you letter she sent me in my journal that I write in every day that said, I thought that 30 years of customer service, you weren't going to teach me anything. Hmm. I mean, I remember doing the training and her almost kind of rolling her eyes at me, like, who is this young whippersnapper coming and teaching me about customer service? Sure. And she said, wow, I was amazed that I really wasn't being grateful or appreciative or acknowledging mm-hmm. others. So if you're listening in and you own a company and for whatever reason you know that whatever the dynamic exists, whatever the culture exists, and there's not a lot of gratitude going on, Kim's probably who you want to talk to. Let me um, share with you one story at the end here. After I sold my, um, my company uh, last year, um, a couple of the employees, two of them specifically, came up to me and said, you know what's different now? Because I would ask them, how are things? They said, you know what's different? Um, we get things done during meetings. And, um, of course, what they're saying is, is, and under your leadership, we didn't get things done. And, of course, each time I heard that, I would kind of smile because I knew when I had my meetings, I was always investing in them emotionally. I was trying to teach them people skills and life skills and role-playing and standing in line and what do you think. It was a rare day when the focus was IT-based in a meeting because I was very much interested in seeing them grow as people. And I thought, um, if you guys have resorted to a spreadsheet with tasks, ownership, deadlines, and stuff like that, um, and you like it, or I don't know if I, I don't know if they liked it. They were just acknowledging what's different. Um, that ain't my leadership. That's for sure. You know, oddly enough, there's nobody left at that company that I know. They've either all quit, um, then let go. None of them connected with the the new ownership culture right. throughout that whole process. Which is, which I'm not. I mean, I'm. I don't know if I should say I'm shocked. I'm not shocked. That's why I sold it because I was let somebody else own everything mm-hmm. at that point going forward. But I know I'm never going to go back to a world where getting things done and checking boxes is an indication of success. No. Good night. That would be either. antithetical gratitude right there in action. Yeah. If and, and people coming up to me, and it's amazing. They'll say, well, I didn't buy your grateful box, but I took a mason jar and I put notes of gratitude into it. I'm like, my goal is to inspire grateful living. Mm-hmm. I'm not really hung up on the tool you use. I'm not right. attached to it. Mm-hmm. Did you change your mindset? Do you take action? Yay, check. What, right. Win for Kim, right? right? And it's really those mindset shifts mm-hmm. that matter. It really begins in the mind that you're going to make a change. Sure. All right, Kim, thanks for so much for being on the show.
Thanks for having me. Thanks, Kim, for being on the show. For those who want to know more, you can go to gratefulbox.com and read all about Kim and what she's doing there. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me directly. You can find me on LinkedIn or on my Facebook page at Jeff Gora Team USA. Thanks for listening to this chapter of Threshold Stories, Crossing Thresholds, One Story at a Time. Be ready to cross more thresholds with me in two weeks. <laughs>